Welcome to the Crime of the Century podcast, where we expose higher education as a scam that it is. I'm Kevin Prendeville, and I believe that because of what we're teaching our students, we're losing an entire generation. And today, as always, we'll be diving headfirst into controversial subjects undaunted by political correctness. Now, it's been big news uh, this past week about the emissions scandal, and it's just more proof that the system is rigged. So we'll be diving really into the identity politics today to explore exactly how this came about. And perhaps we'll uncover more of the crime of the century. So what is this scandal? All right, I'm sure you've heard it a million different times, but in case you haven't, it's basically uh, parents and administrators, people who uh, work in the uh, admittance office who are in charge of whether or not you get into that school, the parents would either uh, say you were part of uh, an athletic team or they might lie a little bit about your background or they would uh, just outright kick money to the admittance team or um, they're were a couple of different ways that parents and the uh, admittance office, the administration, would uh, conduct this widespread scandal, but it had a, a lot to do. There was one case even where the student had a number of Instagram followers, and that, for some reason, was able to propel her, you know, influencer type, whatever that means, and was able to propel her um, above other students and now I, I I know for a long time in college I'm a huge football fan obviously um, you know I have the Patriots helmet on the podcast and uh, whenever I get a chance to discuss uh, American football I do and so there's been uh, really since the 80s and 90s um, there's been a huge uh, backlash in the intellectual community against uh, sports, where you have, uh, you know, uh, colleges or professors who say, you know, you're here to learn, uh, you know, don't, why are you focusing on football? The, the college I went to, um, that was a huge issue because it wasn't, it was a Division three school. We didn't have, we've ne you know, never put anyone in the NFL. We had, uh, although, we did have uh, Randy Moss's daughter, one of them, uh, was playing basketball, so we did, we did have some sort of uh, prestige, I guess. But uh, regardless, the professors would always, you know, tell the students if the students uh, came in saying, oh, hey, sorry, I'm a little late, you know, it's coming back from practice or whatever, and the, there were some professors who didn't appreciate that. Well, you know, you should put my class above the, that silly sport. You're never going to, you know, make it. And so I understand that there's been an intellectual animosity towards uh, those who are at college to play sports. Now, to me, it's a little different if you're Reggie Bush going to USC because, uh, and I know his NFL career wasn't spectacular, but I mean, I'm not gonna. He had talent, and God put him on us on this earth to entertain and uh, perform great feats with his body, and he did that. And 
he's not necessarily there to learn. He wasn't put on this earth to be an intellectual. He, I mean, he may be smarter than, than the average athlete. I don't know. I'm not saying he's an idiot, but I wouldn't, you know, he doesn't have a doctorate. Um, and so you, you look at the, the intellectual backlash against sports programs, and it's always, you know, well, they divert, you know, they build these huge stadiums and it diverts funds that are needed for education and, and the arts and, and science, and we need to not focus so much on the sporting programs. I mean, some of these schools wouldn't be nearly as big if it wasn't for the sports. Uh, you know, LSU, Alabama, uh, uh, Florida, uh, again, USC, any of these legacy schools that had famous athletes go there would not be nearly as big, would not be anywhere close to the, the Ivy Leagues if it wasn't for sports. And those professors wouldn't be making that paycheck, that, that, which some of them do make incredible amounts of money for what they do. They, would, they wouldn't be, the school simply wouldn't be that big. They wouldn't be able to uh, afford to give the professor that kind of money if there was no sport. And so that in its own way makes sense that there's perks given to student athletes. Um, you've got, you know, Heisman Trophy winners who have, uh, you know, maybe maybe their their parents are given a little extra money by the school, or uh, the school, you know, gives them stuff on uh, uh, that they're not supposed to, uh, in order for uh, to entice the student to come to that school because they know it'll draw eyeballs, it'll draw t television time. Maybe it'll get other students to come uh, to that school, and that's money for the school. It's just business. But allowing or bribing an official to get uh, your kid into school where you might be an, Instagr uh, an Instagram influencer, but I don't know you from Adam. I mean, it's not, it's not a real job. So what is that doing to bring more business to the school? And the, and the fact of the matter is nothing, really. I mean, is oh, model number, Instagram model number 22 goes to uh, USC, okay? I mean, what, what, do you want, what, what do you want me to do about it? You know, it, it's not one of those, it's just business type deals, which is what makes this scandal so disappointing because we've almost gotten to a point now too where we worry more about credentials than experience. You know, we're so worried clearly by the actions of the parents. They're so worried about, does my, does my child have a degree? Or did they go to school? Are they certified? Well, I mean, and I'm not saying you don't need school because there are a lot of people who have gotten themselves out of bad situations by going to school. I'm not saying it's useless, but you have to know what you're doing. You have to know why you're there. The idea that I'm just going to get a degree in whatever and then work some office job is not archaic, but are we sure that it's the best route? Are we sure it's the most fulfilling route? How are we truly improving ourselves? How are we getting from point A to point B? And some people were born to be grease monkeys and, and, and mechanics and, you know, go to school for that. And they may not even need college. They may not, they may never need to know the, uh, the philosophy behind, you know, of 17th century France. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And unfortunately, that 
kind of work is stigmatized, but this scandal really proves the fact that in this country, if you have a degree, it though it's saturated because it seems as though everyone has a degree. I mean, that's the whole point of student loans, right? So everyone gets a degree. You're accredited for what? And so um, it's a systematic issue within our educational system that, and really, I'm not going to say workplace system or job system, but when hiring a young student or young professional, it's not so much about them being a professional so much as a school gave them a sheepskin. But people are talented in, in different areas. There are certain gifts that we're all given, and I believe that. But who's going to tell a Steve Jobs or a Bill Gates that they're not worthy, that they're not accredited. Now, I, I get it. These guys were good enough to go into Harvard in the first place. So again, I'm not saying you don't need college or you just shouldn't go to college. But know why you're going there. Know why you're applying in that field. And I think we've gotten too caught up in the you know, right after high school, you go to college. Well, I mean, are we sure we're ready for that debt for a job we may never have? I mean, there are people who have degrees in professions that they aren't in. There are some people, there's somebody I was talking to who said, you know, it was not until he was 32 years old that he was actually in the profession that he went to college for. So, this scandal really uncovers a huge societal issue and unfortunately it uncovers a lot of the identity politics in colleges. Now what are identity politics? We've been over this a couple of times and basically it's a fancy word of saying, uh, it's a fancy way of saying an academic term for lab labeling yourself as a racist. It's basically I can look at you and put you in a number of different categories based on your appearance because somehow I know intrinsic things about you. Like, um, you're, uh, I'll describe myself. Uh, you're white with, with uh, a, a, a sport coat on and you can't see it but, you know, wearing khakis and uh, a pair of loafers. You must be um, upper middle class to upper class, uh, you know, you must have, you know, uh, you must drive a decent car, you know, you, you're starting to attribute all these attributes to somebody, which the mind naturally does. I mean, that's not something you can escape, but, you know, people would assume without this show, it's, if you were to pretend I'm not doing the show or anything, you'd probably assume conservative or, you know, not a liberal, I don't have a man bun and I'm not, you know, pretending I'm a woman, so you probably would assume relatively conservative um, or like everyone seems to assume uh, alt-right, um, you know, uh, people would, uh, so all these different assumptions that, that kind of come into play and people just, um, 
then take the identity politics, which it's, it's okay to make assumptions about people. I'm not saying that that's not okay. The, the problem is when you take that and say, okay, now you're in this category and there's nothing that you can do to get out of that category to prove to me that you don't belong there or it's I'm going to assign you this task and this is where identity politics becomes a problem in the workplace. I'm assigning you this task because of your skin color, your clothing, uh, what I assume about you. And so in uh, colleges, in uh, the admittance office, when you're getting into a school, they'll give you, uh, this is an issue at Harvard, they'll give you better points if you're a certain skin color. They'll take points off if you're the wrong skin color. Depending on your background, what hometown you're from raises or lowers your score. Um, and it becomes less about your merits. Are you smart? Are you the best and brightest? It's less about that and more about who your family is. And that's, if we're not counting the legacy stuff, which you can almost understand as a, uh, if Harvard is a business, it's a way of uh, having referrals and repeat business to have legacy people there. So that, um, that you can understand that from a business perspective, but cutting that out, what does the color of your skin or the, your background have to do with how smart you are? Again, there are people like Dr. Ben Carson, who's black, who grew up in you know not the, the greatest conditions, who went on to be a brain surgeon. He's run for presidential office, who holds seats in uh, the presidential cabinet. He's done great things with his background. Or uh, to bring it back to, to football, there's a guy who's on Fox Sports 1 now uh, who, who I admire for what he's done, uh, Marcellus Wiley. You know, he's not, he was a good defensive end, but he came from uh, uh, the notorious area uh, Compton in California, which is notorious for uh, gang violence and being a very rundown area. He went to uh, Columbia, another Ivy League school. Again, he didn't go just to play sports. He went and got an education and bettered himself in an intellectual way. That's great. That's fantastic. But are we positive they would have let him in if he was white from a middle-class neighborhood? Uh, sports or not. Now, what I'm saying is you, you play all these identity politic games because the general idea is that all these different classes and uh, all of these different people are at, secretly at war with each other. That's a very Marxist uh, ideology. And who does it benefit in the end? I mean, of course, if you're the one picking the student, you know, you've got your job. It doesn't really matter. But you're depriving students of the of what it means to be an American, which is essentially your value is your merit. And that's why some people are billionaires and some people are homeless. Because some people create tremendous value, have great merit, and do great things with it. Now some people, I'll, I'll, I'll use two tech examples here. Steve Jobs and uh, John McAfee. So uh, Steve Jobs invented the iPhone, basically turned Apple from, or Macintosh, from a second-rate computer company that was competing with Gateway, if you remember them, and turned them into a telephone company 
that was so advanced. I mean, forget the, uh, the iPod, forget the uh, iPad even. Can you imagine? I mean, the difference, I, I get BlackBerry was out, but this thing had an MP3 player in it. You could call your friends, you could text your friends, you could go on the internet. It was all of these things in 2007 that people had never seen. They were, I mean, you had the little iPod Touch with some, with some internet capability. You had the Blackberries that, you know, you had to you had to hit the little square thing to, to, to move the cursor on that little internet screen they gave you. It, it wasn't anything like, now not only can I go on the internet, download applications, check my emails, call my friends, do whatever you do on an iPhone, but it's a touch screen. That revolutionized the way we communicate as a as a race of, and not even a, as a classification of, of species. That's big. Are you going to tell him he's not worth his value? I, I know he's dead, but his net worth was earned because of the way he changed and brought value to the entirety of the human race. Now, on the other side, John McAfee, who invented uh, McAfee uh, security systems, the, um, uh, uh, it's essentially it's a virus protection, um, you know, firewall, uh, other computer stuff, but it's more on the security side. And uh, now, Steve Jobs was slightly philanthropic, not to Bill Gates' level, and of course, Steve got sick, but he kind of kept to himself, you know, but didn't didn't go blow all of his billions, although I don't know if he actually could have physically spent the amount of money that he earned. But uh, you have John McAfee who, same thing, Silicon Valley, uh, California, invents the security system, one of the first, came out in the 90s, and uh, every other, you know, for a while there, in the mid to late 2000s, every other Every other news story out of Silicon Valley, oh, John McAfee is doing coke and got arrested doing 140 on the highway. Oh, he's, uh, you know, DUI again. Oh, he's, you know, doing, he's at this stag party. Um, you know, as the leader of a company. So even when people get to the top, there's different ways of handling success. But you can't know that about looking at somebody. You can't make that judgment. Some people... Some athletes, I mean, heck, Roger Staubach, who used to play quarterback for the Cowboys in the 70s, is worth almost as much as these modern-day quarterbacks because he went out and created a, bit, uh, created a business. But somebody before him, Paul Horning, who was a running back for the Green Bay Packers, drank until he was broke. I mean, there are, there's no way of judging how someone's going to act, what their merit is, what their skills are, what their value is to society, any of that, just based on their skin color and their background and, and all of that. And this scandal only goes to prove that identity politics and unfortunately uh, a severe level of moral depravity within, within the school system to be able to take a bribe is contributing to a society that f cares more about merit than character and value, and that's the crime of the century. Hey guys, I just got the proof copy of my newest book, Smoke and Mirrors, A Financial Story. Let me tell you why I wrote this book. See, I believe 
that because of what we've been taught, that we're unknowingly and unnecessarily sending tens of thousands of dollars away to the government, financial institutions, and Wall Street. So I actually wrote the book that goes over the mindset first of breaking free from this conditioning, but then also about exactly how and why these institutions have infiltrated our finances. So pick it up today, $9.99 on Amazon or from my site where you can get a free half-hour webinar from me at kevinprendeville.com.